I had the privilege of kind of walking you through our community and letting you hear about the roots of where our church kind of developed and came from. And I, I heard from people last week that had been coming to our church for years and there were things in that video that they just didn't even know as part of the history of our church and kind of shared with you some things about the past, but also where we're heading as a church. And if you missed that, I want to invite you to go online and do it to our YouTube channel. You can catch last week's message there to pick up that information. If you missed that, of course, you can go to our website. We have an archive section there as well, and you can peek into those archives and catch last week's sermon. I hope you'll do that so you can hear some of our 17-year history, beyond 17 years uh, in church history that was shared in that video. But I also shared last week that this week, uh, we were going to have a little sit-down, one-on-one sharing from our architect that's helping us with our new sanctuary that we're endeavoring to build, this 1,500-seat facility. And I just wanted you to hear from him and hear what's going on with that. And so I said, if you'd come back this week, kind of get a catch-up here about that and, and get to kind of see a little bit more about uh, some of the details that are taking place behind the scenes. And so for about five to six minutes, I did a sit-down interview going to be on video and just watch that. I'll be right back out to share a little more with you. All right. Hey, New Walk Church, you know, over the years, you've heard me talk about what's coming on this project. You've, some of you have heard me say, we have a architect design team working, but I wanted to take a moment to say, hey, let you uh, meet to the people that are involved, at least one of the folks that's involved in our project. In fact, lead guy involved in our project. Uh, this is David Lennon. He is with McCullough and Scott. And McCullough and Scott is a design build team that we utilized to do the work back in 2014, 2015 of the facility that you're sitting in right now. So we summoned them to say, hey, back in 2019, we want to utilize you all again for an expansion. And so I just wanted you to get a chance to meet and hear from uh, David and hear from him about this project so you're not just hearing it from me. David, McCullough and Scott, uh, yeah, we have worked together for a while. Tell them a little bit about all the way back 2015 with New Walk. And also a little bit about your organization. Thanks, Pastor Gary. Thank you so much for having me this morning, and I'm just really excited to be a part of the team and this adventure that's happening going forward here. Back in 2015, we completed the facility that you're in now, and we are just overjoyed to see the expansion of ministry driving a need to take us to a place where we're gonna have another facility that will be roughly 1,500 seats with associated lobby space and all kinds of other uh, great things yet to come that I'm sure will be shared later on. McCullough and Scott as an organization has been in the greater Tampa Bay area for 35 years and we've done over 100 churches. And so it is one of our just greatest joys to be able to come alongside and see the kingdom expanded and excited to be talking about it again. Yeah, I think um, it's obviously utilizing somebody that knows our desires once for this last building to match with the new building is critical, but a faith-based organization is critical to our desire to continue to move forward with them. And, and so they are, that uh, we we got this project done here and uh, it's been great to be in this home. But as we were growing in 2019, we said, man, we got to get ready for the next phase. And we approached you all uh, with this project in 2019. You mentioned a little bit about it, um, that what we handed you, but talk about uh, 
then and kind of what's happened since then in your side, construction costs, all this stuff that's taken place going all the way back to 2019, maybe share with our people. Well, you're taking me back, Pastor Gary, because in 2019, when we first started talking about and dreaming about what this uh, new expansion could be like, uh, little did we know what was coming uh, in March of 2020. And so obviously the world got shooken up a little bit. And with that, um, we had to sort of rethink and retool a lot of things and a lot of the ways in which churches plan for expansion. And there have been some very real and very significant challenges. Uh, I think no one at this point is uh, unaware of the inflationary pressures that have been on us. And in the construction industry as a whole, some of those are actually quite extreme. That we have some products that from 2020 till now are up 300%. And so- These are main products for this facility. They like are. Steel. <laughs> steel. <laughs> yeah. Steel. Uh, there's a lot of it that goes into a building. Uh, concrete, those things are up. And so I, I do really appreciate the leadership and the leadership team in slowing down to be good stewards of what's happening and addressing each of these challenges as they come. And so, you know, we've been reworking some of the conceptual plans here to be as cost effective as possible so that many of the design elements that you have in your existing facility will be carried through. There'll be some new features as well, but we're gonna make sure that we stretch that dollar as far as humanly possible. Yeah, I think you can attest to the fact that um, what we're asking for is a very functional building Certainly not ugly, but like a functional building that is uh, no frills. We're not, uh, you can attest to our congregation, we're not out here, you know, trying to put together something uh, architecturally that, you know, is so uh, unhelpful financially to our people. And so maybe share uh, a little bit about what you've seen with us and, and how you understand our desires for this facility. Well, you know, I really, uh, I'm excited that we're aligned in that. So, you know, everybody has different desires, but for me personally, I'm a very pragmatic person and I like to see things be as elegant as possible, uh, as affordable as possible. And so that will, you know, be carried out in this expansion. And so as we start to see the dirt moving and the building out to the west, um, we're gonna make it still attractive to people pulling into the property, but at the uh, best possible price. Well, hearing from you on this stuff is important. I think one last thing that I'd love for our people to hear from you is what are some of the milestones that they can be thinking about are upcoming for us and you all in the process? Uh, what does it look like going forward? Well, you know, it has been a long journey from 2019 till now, and I'm very excited that we have now gotten uh, a conceptual plan that everybody is in agreement on moving forward on. And so we're gonna enter into the full design process to be able to issue documents to the county to get a permit. And once we turn that in, they're gonna take a few months to review that. But when they do and they get back to us, uh, we'll be able to put a shovel in the ground and. That's when each week as people come to worship, you'll see uh, lots of heavy equipment out to the western side of the property. Oh, that'll be, that'll be a great sight. I remember when that was starting to happen with this facility and everybody was anxious. And then when they saw it, it was a, it was a big deal. Uh, but we are working behind the scenes to get this thing done. And uh, it has been a process. I thank you all for your patience. Thank you for joining us and letting them hear, not just from Pastor Gary. I was joking, like maybe they think I'm drawing fake plans in my backyard for this thing because of what's taken so long since 2019, but uh, let them know that yes, there is a group working on this. I wanted them to hear that. So thanks 
for joining us, David. Well, I appreciate you having me, and please know that we'll be praying alongside of you as this journey continues. All right. Thanks, David. Well, there's a little bit of information as promised. Uh, I mean, he's talking very forward-thinking, and we are moving forward-thinking in faith, thinking that this will happen. But as we mentioned last week, those of you that were here, there's a major obstacle in the way. I'll kind of touch on that again a little bit later. I do want to say, uh, you know, we've had... Um, you know, 70 first-time visitors, 70-plus last week to our church, which is amazing. It's a reminder of the growth of our church and what's taking place uh, in our community. It's a reminder that we need to be, as a church, ready for more. But if you're here this morning and you're visiting with us, you know, I'm just sharing through this series uh, stuff for those who call this church their home. Okay, so if that's you, that's, it, this is primarily a talk for you. Of course, if you are visiting with us and you find this to be your home, great. You're excited to be a part of a growing church. Love to have you be along in the process. But, you know, this series really is about a little bit of in-house business. And uh, you can, uh, if you're visiting with us, kind of sit back and, and check it out and hear a little bit more about what our church is indeed about. I also know that as we go through this series, there's a tendency to check out not want to come, be a part of it, uh, or to maybe uh, push back against the thought of a church expanding. Because for some of you, you're well aware that it takes financial resources for a church to expand, and uh, that has a negative feeling for you. And I, I get that. I think what I would challenge you to do as you go through even our talk today is to allow the Spirit of God to kind of correct and work on some of that thinking and and to pay a little bit more attention about what really needs to happen for our community. You know, uh, when I'm not feeling well physically, sometimes, you know, I might need to get an extra hour or two of rest. You know, you need to rest a little bit when you're not feeling well. And sometimes I'll put something like this on, you know, when the sun starts to rise so that I can, you know, some of you use these on flights as well. And they're little masks to kind of hide the, the darkness or to hide the light so you stay in the darkness. And this is a really big one, actually. It's like a diaper for your <laughs> eyes. But uh, this one actually has Bluetooth capability. So it's got speakers on each side where this goes over your ear. And so you can listen to noise and keep it very dark. And it's sort of like when you're wearing one of these, it's like, la, 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 la. I don't want to hear anything. I don't want to see anything. I want to stay in the dark. And I just want to keep these kind of blinders on. And I don't want to know what's going on around. And that's a really great tactic for trying to get a little bit of extra rest. It's a terrible tactic when it comes to paying attention to what's going on in your community. In other words, there are some of you, when you hear me talk about building a building and expansion and what's required with that, you're just like, blinders, la, 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 la. I don't want to know. I don't want to hear it. I, I, I don't want to be any part of it. And I just want to invite you to kind of set them aside and say, okay, okay, let me actually know what's really taking place in our church and in our community to take those blinders off and join us in at least considering a faith move journey. And I, I, I do realize that our church, uh, those who call this church their home, and, and many of you have supported us in the past, I, golly, there's probably 80 or 90% of you that as I talk through this, you've been at war with, with us before in this community for a long time, and you're hearing it, and you're going, I'm with you. At some point, you're like, I, 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 I'm with you, Pastor Gary. Like, I get what you're talking about. 
and your eyes are very open to the situation, our church and our community, and you're all in, so I'm grateful. I, I do want to say, though, that there are, you know, some of you, maybe, uh, again, 10 to 20% of you that hear me talk about this and, and over the next couple of weeks, and you just significantly push back. That's why I put kind of a starting point in your notes if you're taking notes. Uh, I put this in your notes. Remember, your emotion about any spiritual topic is often revealing about what's going on inside of you in your heart. In other words, if I stood up on stage and I said, hey, you've got a brokenness if, you're an ang if you have anger that's damaging or your words are damaging or something like that, and you know it's a struggle for you and it bothers you that I talk about it, the emotion or the anger or the frustration of me talking about it is a revealing of what's actually going on in your heart. And you can be mad at me about talking about it or whatever, but the bottom line is that stirring, that emotion, should be like a warning light on your dashboard for something that's happening in your heart. And so if I start talking about a church expanding and the resources that are needing, and, and you push back and you, you get negative about it, like that's a, a revealing of something going on in your heart. Remember, this is a spiritual topic I'm talking about today. Growing and reaching people for Jesus in our community. And so, so I, I would encourage those of you who have a little pushback to let my talk today and talks we've been doing in this series permeate and really penetrate through the heart to say what is actually happening. I put in my notes, they're not in yours, but if there's ever a pushback, it's usually in one of, for one of four reasons, and it could be different for you, but if I start talking about, hey, we need to pull together our resources to make something happen for our community, uh, some of you hear that, and it's a struggle for you because money is an idol. You worship possessions and money. Now, you would not admit that, but your bank account says you do. Your debt says you do. And so we, look, again, nobody wants to admit it, but, but sometimes when somebody starts kind of poking at your idols a little bit, you, you can get a little angry or frustrated. And, and some of you, that's kind of revealing of what's going on, right? If I start talking about addictions and you think I'm poking at your, your idol of your, your addiction, you, you will get stirred and frustrated for me talking about it. Idols and the idol of money and possessions is, is one of those things. Uh, some of you will get frustrated, me talking about this, because, well, bottom line, your finances are a wreck. And it's the last thing you want to deal with because you know it's a mess. And I get that. And anytime we're talking about anything related to financial, we as a church, they always want to come partner with you. And so we're offering a free one day gathering again next couple of weeks where Financial Peace University, it's a one day gathering. It just gives you kind of some low-level information about financial changes that you could make in order to get yourself in a better position. This generally is a multi-week journey, but we do these little one-day seminars to introduce you to it. It's free. You can attend. It, we have free childcare and free lunch. I mean, my goodness, that's amazing. And so if you are interested in saying, hey, before I go into the holidays, I probably should pay attention to this, that we want to help you. So write FPU, Financial Peace University, on the back of your Connect card, card you got when you came in, circle that, drop it in the buckets when the buckets pass, let us know that, hey, you're interested in attending, we'll put you on a, a little email list that says, here's some information about that gathering. I think some people push back about a conversation like this, and quite frankly, you are simply unaware of God's desire to advance his kingdom in our community. You just don't understand that. I, I, and again, I, I get that. I was in that position at once, as, one time as well, and and then I think for some of you, 
Uh, you've heard churches talk about needing money, and maybe you were a part of a church that needed some resources, and you heard the pastor talk, but you, were, you didn't see anything happening with that money. Like, nobody was coming to know Jesus. And you wondered, like, if we're here to impact our community and nobody's coming to know Jesus, like, like what's up with that? Can I tell you, that is literally the opposite of what's happening here. Somebody comes to know Jesus Christ every weekend at our church. And so you are a part of a church that's making a difference in this community. But you've got to process these emotions, and I understand that that's, that's not easy. Again, I'm asking you, if you have a pushback, to just, just hear me and just let your heart open to what's really going on in this church and, again, in our community. I don't understand generally sometimes, I guess because I've been in the faith a while now, like what is the fascination of the pushback of a church that's growing. Why would we be, have so much angst at that? You know, God wants a church to grow. He doesn't want it to close. He doesn't want it to stay flat. He doesn't want it to stay stagnant. He wants churches to grow. And so we ought to want that as well for our church to grow and become successful in reaching our community because that's what a healthy, vibrant church can do more successfully. We seem to be really comfortable when big corporations grow. I put together, uh, found this online uh, list in the year 2023 of the biggest companies in our culture today here in America. And you see the first several are tech. And some of you support them wholeheartedly. You just continue to give them resources and you're not at home going, I sure wish they wouldn't grow. You just, we, we just give and feed. And there's some names on this list. You know, it's tech, it's cars, it's it's pharmaceuticals, it's retail, it's oil and gas and Visa and MasterCard and home improvements. And we're all about that. But then we start talking about, hey, can the church grow? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> really, we've got to, I think, press into this and rework our thinking. God has chosen this church to make a difference in this community. And until you come to the realization that the government, it, it, it's not changing the hearts of humans. You know, the government can keep getting bigger, and it is, and it's bloating. And the government cannot change the human heart. It can't. Republicans and Democrats are not coming to the rescue for the human heart. It is only Jesus Christ. And God has given this church to be an impact in a community that is now exploding in growth. What an incredible place for us to be. And so opening your eyes to the reality of what's going on. I put in your notes, you gotta remember, Newark is in a battle for our community. It is a battle, it's a spiritual battle to win the hearts of people in our community who are absolutely lost and hurting. And when you think about blinders, you know, Jesus really kind of talks about this, about the unbelieving people. He kind of uses blinders to the, the deceit anyways and the lies of the enemy to talk about those who are far from God. And here's what it says in John 8 and verse 44. And when I read this, I overlay it onto our community. And so maybe you will as I'm reading it as well. Thinking about people who are hurting and broken. For you are the children, those who are lost, you're the children of your father, the devil. He's your father. You love to do the evil things he does. He was a murderer from the beginning. He's always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When Satan talks, it's like he, he lies. It's consistent with his character for he is a liar 
and he is the father of lies. And so Jesus says, when I come and share with you the truth, you just don't even believe it. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? Like he is God, he's holy, he's amazing. And yet presented with Jesus, they're still pushing back. And he says, since I'm telling you the truth, the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. We have a community that rejects the ways of God and is wholeheartedly, fully bought in to the things of Satan and they're caught in the deceit. They want a great marriage, absolutely. But they don't know how to find the things that really can cause a great marriage to take place. They, they, you want People want to live a life of purity, but they don't know how to live that life when they're so constantly fooled by the tactics of the enemy. And they want to be free from their addiction. They really do. But the enemy lures and lures and says, hey, just a little bit more. And it just becomes one letdown after another. And the enemy says, this little possession will be the end all, fix all to your life. And then it's another letdown and another letdown. And yet here's Jesus for our community. Saying, you know, I have something very different if you'll just listen, if you'll open your eyes, if you'll pay attention. And that has been our mantra from the very beginning of this church. Like, how can we reach people for our community, see them rescued by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then send them out to help connect more with our community? In fact, I put this in your notes. What we do as a church and as a church people is we we recognize, we go to those who are in need and we meet them. And when we meet them and we start to encounter our community, we take those blinders off, we can then begin to understand what those needs are that people have. It's, it's different for every person in our community, the struggles that they're facing. But it's our job as a church to rally together and, and to know the needs and the struggles of our community. It's all around us. If we just pay attention, you know, there's this time where Jesus goes and meets this Samaritan woman at this well, and he knows her struggles, and he knows her problems, her situation. She's actually in the fullness of the text. What we find out is she's a woman who has tried to find the answers to life going from one man to the next to the next, right? Something we can see happening in our community in 2023, all around us in our community. There's people, again, their struggle looks different, but they go from here to here to here to try to find the answers to life. And so Jesus is just encountering a woman that reflects some sort of issue that somebody in our own community would have. And he has this one-on-one -on -one encounter with her. It says, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water from this well. And Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. And really, all he's doing is just creating a dialogue so that he can kind of, you know, share with this, with this woman. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Let me pause right there and just ask you, who, who are you having conversations with right now in your life that you know? You know that you, you need to talk to them because if you would just talk for a little bit, you, you'd find that they have a struggle going on. Like, are you engaging in those personal dialogues? Our goal as a church as a whole, of course, 
is to permeate through our community, you know, as a whole, as this moving entity and organization, of course, to bring people in so that they can hear about some of the answers to those struggles as well as we share the gospel here every weekend. But you and I have this personal duty as well. So, so who is it that you're just, I mean, these are simple conversations that Jesus is modeling. Like, hey, give me some water <laughs> so that he can open up and ultimately tell her about the water that she really needs for life. You know, my job as the pastor of this church, I don't know if you get it or not, but my job, and this is why it makes it so hard, my job is literally to, to make you uncomfortable. That's a hard job because it gets a lot of pushback. Uh, you know that when churches become comfortable, they eventually close. Do you know that? When churches become stagnant, when they don't reach their community, when they stop seeing people saved, they eventually just die off. That happened in a very expedited way through COVID. But for a lot of churches prior to COVID and still to today, they're not reaching their community and connecting with people. And so they plateau and eventually in their life cycle of unhealthiness, they eventually die. And so it's become my job to make sure as the leader of this church that we stay uncomfortable. It's really easy in the Christian faith to live it out for so long that you just you just kind of, you want your crew and you, you just want your things and you want it to all work out and everything needs to flow on the weekends exactly the way that you want and you just kind of go about doing your thing and you forget the, that there are people in our community that are in need. We get very comfortable and, you know, the enemy speaks at me and even utilizes people to say negative things and I've heard it all, you know, when I start talking about expanding, I hear religious people complain and they have jealousy, and they, they've got to deal with that. And I hear the noise of ungodly, um, unbelieving people as well. The church wants money. I hear all that noise. And sometimes, I'll tell you, it, I, sometimes I think, why am I even doing this? It would just be easier to go sell hot dogs. But then I have a week, like I had this last week, when three different people came up to me and said, Pastor Gary, I don't know where I'd be without this church. And I know they're talking about Jesus and all the glory to God. But they're saying that this church and its reflection of Jesus Christ has bridged this gap for me in my life. And, and that keeps me going. And I say, okay, let's keep going. Let's put the hand to the plow. Let's not look back. And I want to say to those of you who are here and you're maybe new to the faith or you're long time in the faith and it's easy to get comfortable, but put your hand to the plow and keep moving forward in the cultivating and the working and the, ultimately the harvesting in our community for the message of Jesus Christ because we are the people God is counting on. I look at a guy like Elon Musk and he's sending rocket ships to Mars and he bought a car company and he's, he, he, he's got social media company. I'm like, that's amazing. Check it out. Elon Musk is not coming to East Pasco to help with the souls of the people in our community. It's us. We're the people. So join me in opening our eyes to our community. It's worth it if you'll just pay attention. And if you do say the church is always wanting money, I'd go back to the very beginning of what I talked about. Where's that coming from? Because I, I got to tell you, like what's happening here with this church for this community and what the needs are in this community, you should want to be a part of a vibrant church. Where's the callousness of your heart coming from? Second thing in your notes is this. If people are hurting, they will always 
want answers. They do. You know, I mean, there could be an initial pushback, which we get sometimes, you know, and you've experienced this, but at the end of the day, when people have gone from the next to the next to the next and they found themselves empty, they oftentimes will come to a place where they're like, okay, you know what, I'm ready to listen. And again, this is why we have to stay uncomfortable because if we will keep pursuing our community and the hurts that they're dealing with, at some point they will share. Like Jesus Christ died on the cross not so that we would just go to church, but so that we would also leave here and, and be the church. He did not die on the cross so that we could have the Christian prom every weekend at church and all dress up and look real cute and take photos and go home. There's more to it. And a vibrant and healthy church gets this. We know that our serving, our loving, our giving, it all matters in one-on-one settings and in group settings like we're having now. Jesus encounters this woman who's, they're talking about physical water, and then Jesus replies, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, then you'd ask me, and you'd, and then I would give you something that actually matters. I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, and so she's still thinking on physical terms. And this well is very deep, and where are you going to get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob? Some kind of water that you have, you think you're better than him? He gave us this well, and how can you offer water? Better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed. And so Jesus replied, anybody who drinks of this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh and bubbling spring within them, giving them, check it out, eternal life. (laughs) Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, of course. Then I'll never be thirsty again. And I won't have to come here and get water. And the dialogue goes on and continues and he talks about how because he's God he knows about all the men and knows about her struggles and she encounters him more richly and the Bible tells us she goes on to tell everybody like this amazing stuff that's taking place in her own life. But it's a reminder to you and I, I think of the simplicity of this, of these conversations, but it's a reminder that I do believe that when people are presented in moments where they finally come to the end of themselves, presented with a new hope for their life, that they will want it and they will eventually crave it. And so we make sure that we're staying in positions where we're uncomfortable. I remember one time I was on a flight uh, up north and had this really what seemed like a rare occasion. And if you've ever flown, it's a really great occasion. When you have your seat booked and you're maybe three seats in the row, and the other, the, the window seat's booked, but there's, there's nobody in the middle seat. It's a rare, wonderful, joyous moment where you're not all crammed into the row. And I was on one of these flights, and before we got on the flight, they said, this is kind of a half-full flight today. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> you know. And as I get on the flight, I see that it's going to be pretty empty, and there's a seat right there in the middle. It's, it's going to be open. It's going to be there. And Fewer and fewer people are coming through the the door of the plane, and it's getting to be like maybe we've reached full, you know, however many people are on this flight, they're all here on board now. Maybe one or two are still going to come in, but I mean, if one or two come in, like I'm not a statistics major thing, math guy, you know, I did get a 760 on my SAT, 
Just want to let you know that. You said which section? That's combined, actually. And so that's, I just want to tell you, we've got a, you get 500 for signing your name, and I got a 760, so I just want to... Uh, but, you know, you, you don't have to be a math major to know my chances are pretty good that this seat is going to stay unoccupied. Last guy walks on. Comes over to my row. Hits me with his luggage as he's putting it up. I'm like, oh, I just wanted to, to be comfortable. He sits in the seat and he takes my armrest and I'm pretty sure he's passing gas for the first 20 minutes of the flight. This is not the situation that I signed up for for this flight, it would seem. And yet, 20 or 30 minutes into the flight, we have this exchange and what do you do and where you're headed and I share with him that I'm a pastor. And I'm gonna tell you, within minutes, this man reveals to me that he's trying to cover up his pain with substances because he just lost his son. And I wouldn't have known that had I gotten a little uncomfortable. If I didn't pay attention to the moment and the opportunity was going on around me. I'm just simply talking about this on a grander scale as a church, certainly individually, but if we stay uncomfortable, we will find ourselves in positions as a church to continue to learn the needs of our community and impact them with whatever struggle they're going through and they're hidden all throughout, just waiting to be unpacked at the loss of a child and so many other scenarios you could imagine and people are struggling with in our community. Let's not let somebody else do it. You know, I think it's really easy to say, oh yeah, I really want to be in that new sanctuary, Pastor Gary. It sounds really nice. It sounds amazing. And we're going to do a lot of great things for our community. Also, let somebody else do the work financially. I would rather not. And I'm going to ask you to set that thinking aside and again say, you know what, my giving is a big part of this journey that we're on to see this become a reality. I put this last thing in your notes. Our giving, we remember, it brings love and it brings life. When you're a part of a vibrant church that's reaching the community, yes, your giving is absolutely making a difference in reaching our community. You are literally bringing the living water of Jesus Christ to people in our community. I don't want you to miss those opportunities and to be a part of that. And the scriptures tell us in 1 John 3 and 17, it's a pretty sharp command. But it says this, if anyone has, this, has the world's goods, and we do in America, and you see people in need, you see a brother in need, yet you close, he closes his heart against that person in need. How does God's love abide in him? Like, don't shut off that love. And this is specifically talking about finances and possessions and things that we have. Now, again, if you're visiting with us, uh, again, we're, we're talking about some in-house stuff, but I shared last week that going back all the way to 2019, some of you have been around, uh, you know that we've been trying to see this thing built, and then as the architect said, COVID came, and we lost two-thirds of our church, and some of them have slowly come back, and you can look around and see that we're filling up again, and so we're trying to stay ahead of what's happening as our church continues to kind of get back to where it was in 2019, where we were running five services, and we were continually growing and growing, and we said, my goodness, we know our community's growing. We've got to up the game here in order to reach 
this community. And then yet, I shared last week, once again, it feels like the goalposts have changed for us, not just since the 2019. I mean, when we felt like everything was going to move smoothly and then COVID happens, but so many other things, inflation happens over the last couple of years. And then I mentioned last week, our financial partners that used to really kind of by faith join us on a journey like this, they've bailed in the sense that they're saying, hey, we know we used to like join you financially in a build it and they will come sort of mentality, but we're not doing that anymore. In order for you to uh, receive the, the financial help, in order to get this building built, you uh, will need to show us that you can pay for a building double the size with double the people right now with weekly support. They, need, they wanna see that weekly we have the resources coming in that can be set aside to operate as though we are paying for the new facility now. And I said, man, that's a huge mountain, my goodness. That means that the people that are here now have to decide to put by faith, go all in for a people that we don't even have coming to our church. But then I thought, that's what's been going on since the beginning of our church. As a matter of fact, going back to 2006, you know, when our church started, uh, before our church even started, there was a group of people that put some resources together to help us start, and they didn't even know what was going to happen, and they decided to do it anyways. And then uh, throughout the first years of our church, we were in the second worst economic time in the history of our country and the worst since the Great Depression, and yet a group of people got together to buy land for, for many of you, and they didn't know you or meet you, and it was the worst time ever, and they put that money aside, and then we decided we needed to build a building here, and a people went together in advance for a group of people that were still to come, and times weren't even easy during those times, and then COVID happened, and, and yet despite us losing some people in our church, People were giving and supporting through all the chaos of COVID so that we could still have our ministry functioning. And they gave for things in the future, including our Greater Things campaign to help put money aside for this new facility. Let me pause here and just talk about Greater Things for a second. There's been some confusion about this, so I want to be clear. Many of you gave to Greater Things and you've fulfilled your pledge or you're close to it. And I do wanna say, and I, I wanna cheer you and say thank you for those of you who journeyed with us on Greater Things, thank you. You have been given for people you don't know in the future. What, do you, what are we doing with that money? I said last week, it's, it's there, it's, it's sitting there and it's protected and, and it will be used to put towards the new facility. And so it's not wasted at all, but the lending companies are telling us that doesn't matter. That's a campaign that's different than weekly giving. Any church could try to do a campaign, but we want to see your weekly giving increase. So you said, okay, but if you did give to greater things, thank you if you're still fulfilling your pledge. You have a choice. You can continue to fulfill that pledge. That's great, but I can tell you what they care about is our weekly giving. And so if you want to move that greater things money, which is protected into our general tithes, if you do that, uh, that will help us create this bottom line that the lenders are looking for. And they're telling us they will reevaluate us in about six months-ish. And if we've been successful, they'll uh, take a fresh look at things, maybe 12 months, depending on how we're doing as a church. And so uh, really what we are needing is, and the ask that we're doing for our church is that everybody, if everybody does this, it will be no sweat. 
that everybody take a look at how they're giving and say, how can I do an increase? In other words, I was giving 100 a week and that was my tithe, but we're gonna do 110 or 120 or whatever the number is. that you th We were doing 50 and now we're gonna do this. If everybody just looks at it and says, we can do a little bit more, we will get there. We will and the mountain will move. I'm not here asking you uh, to be a part of a capital campaign and here's the dollars, I'm not doing that. I'm not asking you to do our Christmas offering this year. We're not doing it. I'm not asking you to give, uh, uh, to give for 90 days, a 90-day tithe challenge, which we've done before in the past. I'm asking everybody in our church to just look at their regular giving and say, this is what we are going to do. And I love how Jesus puts it in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 11. I tell you the truth. Of all who have ever lived, none is greater than John the Baptist. Yet even the least person in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he is. In other words, God cares about those who are lost and he is yearning and wanting those who are just average folks in our community who don't know Jesus. He wants them to come in to the kingdom of God. From the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven, check this out. It's aggressive. The kingdom of, he of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. Spiritually, there is a massive wave coming against us for sure. It has been for several years to get this done. And yet, throughout history, when people push against those spiritual attacks, we see that God indeed delivers. So I'm inviting you, as we did last week, to just pray and see what it is that you can do or your family. I put the letter A, I did ABCs, ask, ask. God, what can we do? Believe, believe that God will take care of you and he will provide as you make that increase. And the letter C then is to commit. And once you've decided to commit, we invited you to take one of those cards that's on your seat and tell us what you've committed to do. Not dollars, it's not money that you're writing here, it's just the step that you're taking. And if everybody gets involved, takes those liners off about our community, about what's going on, and says, this is what we can do. Uh, we will reach uh, what it is that we, we need to reach. And for some of you, your step is that first box. Like you, you're one of the people that just doesn't give here. And there's a lot of them. There, there's a lot of people that attend this church regularly and don't give here. And so for some of you, that, that's your first step, to be an obedient giver. Others of you, you give here and there. You know, if you have a few bucks laying around, the bucket passes, and, and your step, again, is to be consistent. And there's a way that about three-quarters of our church ensure consistent giving. Uh, they become that next box, which is automated givers, just to make sure that they're not playing games and skipping and, and missing opportunities to support the church. If you want to be a part of automated giving, go out the doors when we're done today. Go down the left-hand side of the hall. There's a long table there, and there's people there that can get you set up with automated giving. There's uh, the third box is says, you know what, I already do all that, Pastor Gary, but our family's looking to do more. And so this is kind of a next step in giving. And then there are some of you, we had a couple people commit to this last week. It's a rare breed, but it's called extravagant givers. We have a very small amount of those in our church. These are people that, as a percent of their income, give extravagantly. It's not about dollars. It's about percent of their income. Once you've made that decision, it may not be today. You ask to take that card off the seat. Don't put it in the bucket, but take that card off the seat. There's a commitment box on your way outside the doors of the church. 
and use a little box. You can drop that in and say, this is what our family is doing. If you give us your contact information, we'll support you along the way. And we'll also uh, make sure that you're invited to a special event we're going to have well after the new year for those who committed and actually followed through. Uh, we're going to put you know, together an event where we celebrate what God has done and what he's do going to do. Because we, we're, we're putting a party out there because we already believe it's going to happen. And so if you make that commitment, maybe it's next week. You're still praying about it. It's not, I'm not here to pressure that way. Like You're praying about it next week or week after. How can we be in? If it's next week or the week after, drop it then. Some of you may already have settled it and you're doing it today. That's great. Let me close this out in prayer. And uh, then I got a couple more announcements. So if you'll hold tight. Father, we thank you. God, that we um, are a growing church and yet our community hurts. God, I thank you for the amazing people that have gone before us to support what we have here. I thank you, God, for those who have cared enough about this church and there's some, I see them as I'm speaking all over the room. They've cared already and they get what I'm talking about and I thank you, God, for them from greater things to sun stand still to one degree and all the journeys along the way. Thank you, God. And we believe together in the name of Jesus Christ this mountain will move. And one day we will be over there in that new facility and we'll say, God, thank you. In fact, we'll thank you in advance because, God, we know it's happening. We know if everybody gets involved, it'll happen. Uh, God, you're just stirring people about this and it's not easy and I understand that. And, and God, I thank you. My wife and I, we went through this and, and just recently to settle for us where we're gonna be. And so I know it's, it's, it's a challenge. But God, I pray that you'd stir our hearts continually on this to stay uncomfortable. But also, Lord, I believe there's somebody who came here and, and their story is they, they go to the well of life over and over again finding and searching and trying to find the answers to life and it's the next thing that'll be the answer and it's always left them thirsty and you are the Samaritan woman or you are a maybe the Samaritan guy or the young person and you've gone to the well of life and you are empty over and over again or at least thirsting for more and God says I have given the living water through my son Jesus Christ that for all who would believe and trust in the name of Jesus and his forgiveness that took place on the cross, they can be forgiven and have a relationship with God and they can discover what real life is and fill that hole in their heart that has been craving more and more and more. Would you come this morning just in your heart and decide to drink of the living water and the gift of Jesus Christ? Pastor Gary, how? Just bend a knee in your heart where you're seated and say, God, I accept the gift of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sin. I have sinned, I've fallen short, but I am ready now to discover real life, eternal life. God, I wanna encounter what you have for me on this journey. In Jesus' name, amen.